much love. Season 2, Julie Lalande. Can you believe it? I can't. We have stuck to a project. <laughs> we, that we started in a pandemic and we have stuck with it. Whereas, you know, making bread from scratch, painting my own nails, like all of the other things that I tried to do at the start of COVID, I gave up real quick. But mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't give up on you, Renee. I'll never oh God, give up on you. I never give up on you. I'm always here for you. Yeah. So what have we been up to in our hiatus, Julie? Do you want to talk us through that? Well, um, we got together in person. What, what, what? Yeah. So I flew out to Edmonton because I missed your little face. And we went on many adventures, including a road trip to look at oversized roadside attractions. Yeah, we did. Oh, what a delightful full day that was. That was so much fun. And then we found the only chip wagon in Alberta and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it was in actually not even just the same village. It was on the same street as yeah. the world's largest pierogi. So it was just like a carb filled little visit to a tiny town in and around uh, Edmonton. It, it was, was delightful. It was so much fun. And we also hit up multiple thrift stores. We did. And we looked at some Chotskis and a bunch of shit, but we also found so many gems for you. So many. Oh, so many gems for season two. So excited that we were able to go back to a thrift store in person. It actually didn't feel that weird. No, it didn't. Yeah, I was like expecting it to feel way more surreal, but I mean, it is surreal still to me that we have to exist in a world wearing masks all the time. But it was nice. It felt good to be back at a thrift store perusing the DVD collections, Uh, (laughs) um, the weird odds and sods. But yeah, we picked out so many delightful gems for season two. I don't know that our listeners are ready, honestly. I don't know if they're ready. No. Also, we watched Ghost. High AF, we watched Ghost. (laughs) And um, I think it's really, you know kind of enhance like we're more mature now for having watched ghost absolutely and it holds up it does it actually holds up like i was quite i mean there's obviously some cheese factor but it's not problematic by any means no no it was very good and very well done and um and also like just good to see like demi's old face do you know yeah. what I mean? Before, mm-hmm. where before she became basically a whole other person after plastic <laughs> surgery, I was like, "Oh, look at you with your little short little haircut, your little pixie cut, and your normal proportioned face. Cute, cute." Babe. And those those cheekbones though on uh, on on Swayze just to cut. Oh, you know I'm crazy for Swayze. So, and then there's some whoopee in there. Like it's just, it's so good. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome. And it actually sent me down like a whoopee wormhole because I watched Sister Act this week. Oh, still bangs. Still good. Still good. And um, I think you and I had this discussion where I was like, I think I like Sister Act 2 better. And you were like, that's, we can't be friends anymore. Yeah. But I watched Sister Act 1 this week and I was like, no, no, I like Sister Act 1 better. It, I mean, um, it's it's perfect top to bottom. Soundtrack mm-hmm. slaps. It's so good. <laughs> 
the casting yeah. is incredible the whole thing like harvey keitel is like such a good cheesy bad guy it's just <laughs> it's so good and you know as someone who went to high school in a convent can relate is all i can say so good so yeah i just wanted her so badly to stay at the convent i was like this is where your heart is Why yeah stay yeah teach people double dutch and like paint some graffiti and stuff live your best life but no 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 um yeah so we had a wonderful trip which was great and we yeah saw a bunch of random shit on the side of the road watch ghost and uh we picked out all of our books for season two and i'm so excited i am too for the list of gems we have for listeners this season Mm-hmm. and this season might be a lot longer than our last season i think we're just gonna go we're just gonna go until we don't want to go no more <laughs> yeah because um, we were like oh well if we ended at like 10 episodes then like we're gonna miss christmas and like christmas romance is oh there's so, there's many. so many there's so many that we couldn't not talk about it none of them are about fucking santa though and i want to say <laughs> i just want to register oh, that complaint <laughs> i will find one and I, I will read it perfect challenge accepted. i bet i can find one about fucking a shapeshifter reindeer oh that's my bet right now I'm expecting one of them to at least have some sort of metaphor about like riding Rudolph's nose, but maybe it's because I've also just been listening to too much WAP um, because <laughs> Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion saying swipe your nose like a credit card is delicious. Um, but <laughs> I feel like if you just combine that with like a Christmas theme, like it could get spicy. So yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this right now in episode one. Um, I'm going to have a Christmas bingo card. Um, it's only gonna have three on it. If I can find one where they fuck Santa Claus, mm-hmm. an elf, mm-hmm. a reindeer shifter, mm-hmm. and a candy cane, <gasps> we'll do a draw. <laughs> How about that? Perfect. Oh my yeah. god. And they don't have to be all in the same book. But if I can find one with those elements or multiple with those elements, there we'll have a draw. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love it. That's so good. Awesome perfect well we're not there yet because it's only august but do we want to <laughs> we want to launch into season two episode one and talk about the ridiculousness that we read let's do it oh but we have a new segment don't we julie um yes we do tell the kids because they are going to love it <laughs> again <laughs> our best ideas are hatched in the isle of a value village and i stand by that <laughs> 100 percent um so <laughs> while we were shopping and going through all of the danielle Steele books and and there were plenty oh, so many. Um, we happened across only one book of poems by danielle Steele, and it's called love poems by danielle Steele. so we decided um at every episode we're gonna read well i'm gonna read one danielle Steele poem but the way i'm gonna pick it is i'm just going to like run my fingers through the edge of the book whatever i stop on is what i'm gonna read amazing sound good yes okay <laughs> so let's uh, just like first this is like early 80s if i recall right this book uh, is like okay. super like it's one of her early ones i think i feel like let me see uh so i think she wrote the poems over a decade oh. um i don't have the publishing date but it's uh it looks like she wrote them between 72 and 81 oh damn okay yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, uh, some of these poems have appeared in Cosmopolitan, The Paraclete, McCall's, Ladies' Home Journal, and Good Housekeeping. So you know they're going to be sexy. <laughs> Nothing says hot, 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 like good housekeeping. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, oh, and I'm just going to read the, the chapter titles really quick. So chapter one is When Love is New. Chapter two is Growing Together. Three is Growing Apart. Four is Letting Go. Five is Lonely Feelings. <laughs> Six is Beginning Again. Seven is Love Lost Once More. Eight, uh, When You Love Again dot 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 carefully this time and chapter nine is dot 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 and then love is born again and chapter 10 is just love that feels like a natural cycle of yeah romance i would agree i would agree um so do you want to jump in it yeah yeah just hit me hit me with a love <clears throat> poem renee all right here we go here we go okay okay this one is called only violets. Okay. Only violets. I only wanted violets. Not masses of red roses and vulgar ribbons and finery and lies. I only wanted violets. Just two or three. Or scribbles in the sand. A trinket. Some small thought. A warm hand in the rain. A smile. An apple or some trifling imperfection I could love. Too much and much too little. <laughs> a turtle. Yes, a turtle would be nice too. Three-leaf clovers and fading leaves. Not stifling vulgarity and expensive emptiness. But now I know, costly are these trifles. How dear and almost unattainable. Just violets, my love. Just that. Remember it next year. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Moira Rose ain't got shit on Daniel Steele. <laughs> that moved me. Chills. Literal chills. Literal chills. Thank you. Um, well, it's a really good transition, actually, because uh, not to the theme of this week, but to the cover of my book. Um mm. Because the theme this week was what, Renee? Pirates. Arr. Arr, pirates. Now, please know, I am a grown-ass woman who's been obsessed with SpongeBob SquarePants for a very long time. If you talk about pirates, I'm automatically going to go to a place of, oh, who lives in a pineapple <laughs> under the sea. So that's my starting point. Just like me know that. Okay, so this book came into my life because my friend found it at their cottage they found out that i was doing a podcast on this nonsense and were like look what i found at my cottage so i got to read a book like an actual paperback which we haven't been able to do in so long it's called providence by miranda jarrett uh it was published in 93 uh it's okay. a harlequin historical romance um and miranda jarrett is actually the nom de plume of susan holloway scott who writes primarily historical fiction and still writes so this book's from 93 oh. and i when i looked her up 2019 was her latest book so she is prolific um it is set in providence rhode island in june of 1796 now the characters 
the protagonist is Ananiah Snow. Yes, that's Ananiah. I did not stutter. Ananiah Snow, who's a fancy lady who's... The book opens with her leaping over a wall trying to find a sea captain to help her locate her papa, who is somewhere in prison, has been captured. He was also a sea captain. She's like, I gotta go... I gotta find a ship to take me to go and find my dad. As she's trying to clamber over this wall and you're sort of like why is this fancy lady climbing over a wall not going through the front door she kind of stumbles off the wall and literally stumbles into the arms of this man and then he is like oh you're so you're like an angel who fell from the heavens and then he kisses her and she's like no i must go and then she runs inside and she's like i'm here to find this captain and then sure enough the man in the freaking garden is the captain she's looking for and he's like what's happening why is everyone giving you dirty looks why couldn't you walk in through the front door and she just keeps alluding to basically everyone thinks i'm a hussy and i'm being chased out of town and i just need a boat so i can go save my dad and he's like smitten by her but also confused but also like i don't like what is this woman's story and also i understand like he was torn because he was like she was hot in the garden but now she seems to be a hot mess and i really need the money and i need someone like i need money to to carry merchandise to actually be able to keep my boat and not lose my boat but also a ship is no place for a lady especially one that's a hot mess like her so um he doesn't want a woman aboard she basically has to like coerce him and then lies and says like oh someone is gonna ship their cargo and then it shows up and she's the cargo and they're like Mah. so it's like classic rom-com like i hate you i love you i hate you i love you <laughs> you know um then they're on the boat and he's like cranky but also attracted to her i mean classic and they stop at a port and they have to show their papers and stuff and then he's like oh your papers are in order you are legit and she's like yeah you know i just had to trick you so i could get on the boat but i really want to rescue my dad then they stop at a port and captain george gill hops on board and struts on on looking all fancy and rich and he says he's been charged with taking ananiah home and she's like that's not true that's not true then they have a fight and they kick him off the boat and then they go back on the boat and you're like captain gill is up to something meanwhile there's this whole sidebar where she there's like a young boy on the boat that no one really explains whose kid he belongs to but he's like there it turns out he can't read so she's like helping him read and then he captain colburn sam colburn who's the captain that she's on her boat sam is like oh look at her she's so maternal and so motherly and maybe she's not a big old messy whore like everyone says she is blah 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 then at one point they're like the sexual tension so out of control and they go to bang and they're just about to bang and then all of a sudden someone literally bangs on the door and is like i think we're being chased by some pirates and so then he decides they don't bang but she's all like Ooh. I don't know. She's got like achy clit. All a tither. She's got like achy clit or whatever it's called. Um, and so, <laughs> meanwhile, again, there's this. So there's a sidebar of her trying to help this kid read. Then there's a sidebar where her maiden, because her maiden was allowed on the boat, is like having an affair with this guy on the boat. And then like the captain said, like, get your hands off the ladies. And then Ananiah is like, be a lady, don't fuck the sailor. And she's like, but I love him. So it's like a whole other thing. Um, but you keep hearing about this, like how she's a whore, how there's like this drama with her and how she, and you, they never explain it. And it's sort of this cloud hanging over this woman and like, it's responsible for all of her actions. I'm going to read you the part where they explain the whore storyline. <laughs> Anyways, okay. then Renee, 
shit takes the most racist right turn. It was shocking. So somehow there's like some... uh, Anyways, I won't get into it because it's very boring. But she ends up getting tossed overboard and so does he. And then they wash up on shore in Northern Africa. And yeah. And um, they get... they get captured by Middle Eastern people, but the way that they are described, it's basically like the author was like some Arabs, some Arabs came and took them. And oh, and then she she gets captured by a sultan who then wants to traffic her. And Sam is all like, she's so fair skinned and blonde. She's fetched so much money. I need to save her. Shit is unbelievably racist. Then he's like, if we ever get out of here, promise me you'll marry me. And she's like, I can't. You know that I can't. And he's like, do it. And she's like, okay. And then she's like thrown into a jail. Like as she's getting sent into like some jail cell type thing, she finds her dad who's like all beaten and bruised and destitute. And she's like, oh, I came here to save you. They try to escape. The dad dies in the escape. But she's like, his life will not be in vain and i'm like okay then it turns out george gill or jill or whatever the fuck his name is the dude who comes onto the boat at one point saying he was charged with taking care of her actually was trying to kill her and he he (sighs) caused the shipwreck that caused her to fall overboard and so then she gets into a scuffle with him then sam kills gill they get married and have a baby that they name after her dad. And I shit you not, the baby's name is John. Which means the baby is John Snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plot twist here. <laughs> Love it. Woo! So that was Providence by Miranda Jarrett. Uh, in terms of the genitalia descriptions not a lot not super graphic sex just like typical i think like early 90s harlequin stuff of like a lot of alluding to like throbbing desires and shit and like the word breast a thousand times but no cock no ass no pussy which is very sad frankly um and i'll say in terms of the spice factor not a lot of full-on banging but a decent amount of like the tit-for-tat kind of flirty back and forth that i think does actually build tension quite well so because of the time period the pirates the fear of scurvy i'm giving this three out of five lemon slices um for the spice slash tart factor of the book uh but she be real racist um Mm -hmm. and quite just like I don't know. I just couldn't, I just couldn't really get into it. I don't know if the writing was too like gone with the wind, like, Ooh, like just like fainting couch bullshit. I don't know. Um, but it was a real struggle to get through it. I'm not gonna lie to you. And that's me. Providence by Miranda Jarrett. Nice. <clears throat> you know, I was going to rate mine on a scale of limes. Oh, um, I love that we were thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so I'm still going to go with it unless something better comes up while I talk. So Perfect. I read Accidental Abduction <laughs> and it's by none other, Julie, than our girl, Yves Langlais, oh! who, as you recall, wrote Ghostly Menage. Yes. yes. Um, and she's just pumping out books. And I can't remember where she is. she from Stittsville? Uh, Kempville, I think. Yeah. Kempville. <laughs> yeah. So she's a Canadian. And 
I have to say, I loved this book. Oh. It was campy and ridiculous and just hilarious and all of that. Now, the twist in my book is that it's actually about um, a space pirate, <laughs> not um, not a sea pirate. So not a seaman, <laughs> though there is some of that. Um, my book was written in 2011. And it was another like awesome Amazon find. Um, I think I only paid like three fifty for it. One hundred and ten pages, um, and it was action packed, of course, start to finish. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited. So my book opens on Megan, and modern day uh, Megan is described as plump and outspoken. Um, she's out on a yacht with her boyfriend Cameron in the Pacific Ocean. And they've been dating about six months. Cameron throws her overboard. But this is after he has gotten his name on all of her assets um, and decides to just like fucking kill her so he can get all his all her all her stuff. So he he hip checks her over the end side of the yacht and she's just like, well, that's what I get because she's always like just running her mouth. Um, and I'm going to reenact a scene for you, but it's in the voices that I imagined them having <laughs> in this book. Um, yeah. So she's in the ocean, uh, treading water, you know, resigned to her fate when she sees a light above the water. Um, and she gets collected by a tractor beam along with a ton of fish. And she ends up getting dumped onto this, um, like, I don't know, storage unit inside the ship. And she's like, oh my God, what's happening? And she meets this um alien named Tren um and she passes out so she wakes up in like a medic unit um and she's like oh my god my body's so much better now and like all her scars and stuff are gone um and from there she starts interacting with this giant pirate who I will describe in a moment um he is a uh, of the Kulian race from the Jifnarnian galaxy. Um, now he speaks a different language and she can't understand him. So um, because she's so like feisty, she tries to like beat him up, but he's like seven or eight feet tall. Um, and then he like basically puts like a communicator box on her so she can understand him. And um, <laughs> then they start sparring verbally, um, which is the entire book is just this like, back and forth where they're like i hate you and i hate you and then they fuck they fuck all the time this whole entire book them <laughs> fucking however in trends native language they don't call it fuck they call it fruxin <laughs> so let's say frux or fruxin or fruxin there's a part where he says ah oh, fruxin crap and i thought that was just d delicious um so he tells her um, that he has no interest in her. He's not going to return her to her planet. Um, he's going to sell her into uh, sexual slavery. That's another predominant theme in this book, sex trafficking. Um, it, it really plays a big part in this book because the threat is always looming that she is going to be sold as a sex slave. Um, the other thing is that they're always calling females whores like if they don't like them they're like you stupid whore you whore you whore like always and i it lost points for that it lost a line for that but it will regain the line so um 
How can I describe Tren? Tren is seven feet tall, has blue eyes and a goatee, long dark hair, but he purple. He purple. He a purple man. <laughs> and he um, has, he's purple. He has black lips. He has an eyebrow ring and a nose ring. He's got pointed teeth. The man has no nipples. No nipples. But his chest is pierced where he would have nipples. Um, he likes to spank people a lot. He's from, he's from um, a warrior race. Um, <clears throat> and um, he got a big old dick big huge purple dick um with a with a pink head so that's that's important because they talk about it a lot um so he gets her drunk by accident um she's like i want a drink and he's like all right but go slow on it and she just pounds it back because like she don't do what no man tell her to do um and she gets fucking wasted um but then at this point like the sexual tension is too much and she like jumps on him and basically humps herself uh, into passing out um just like by like kind of humping his chest and, and then she like that was so fucking great and then she like passes out and he's like he's like oh what the fuck so they wake up and she like keeps trying to fight him off and he's like earthling you can't possibly try to hurt me and you know and so um they decide that um they're just gonna fuck until he finds a planet where he can sell her off, which is always that looming threat. They just gonna fuck the whole time. Um, and as as that kind of goes on, they learn a bit more about each other. And so finally, Megan, um, they're at like a, on a planet to get repairs for his ship. And Megan's like, I'm gonna come with you. And so she, he decides to take her with him um, to buy clothes because she's just been wearing his pirate clothes <laughs> the whole time. However, there's a scene where like they fuck she gets dressed and then she's like, oh my God, I have to pee so bad. And so he takes her to this like um, shower where it like disintegrates all the dirt and waste in your body and on your body. But then it disintegrates her clothes. So she literally put clothes on to have them disintegrated, no. to have to put more clothes on. Like it was dumb. It was dumb. I was like, come on. Um, so they go onto this planet. He, um, he stops at this um, mechanic shop and the mechanic, uh, is a four-armed alien who now actually only has three arms because Tren ripped his other arm <laughs> off another time. Um, Tren, like, attacks and then asks questions later. He's like that kind. He's just a warrior. He just kills everybody. Um, Tren used to be a mercenary for the uh, Galactic Council, um, but he retired and is now an acquisition specialist. Jeez. Yeah. Um, Megan likes to remind him, like, no, you a fucking pirate. He's like, I hate pirates. Um, but that's an important piece to this. So he he gets his ship up and working. He goes and he buys Megan some clothes. Um, and then they return to the ship, and then the power goes out, and um, they get attacked, and Megan gets drugged and kidnapped. Um, she gets kidnapped by the mechanic, and he's like, I'm gonna teach him a lesson he'll never forget. Um, and so he trend, like there's, there's no, the only thing that happens between trend realizing she's gone missing and then finding her is that she gets the shit beaten out of her. And that happens another time. Like there's just enough time for her to have this shit beaten out of her, but it's okay. Cause they have this medic unit. Right. Um, 
so he finds her and he patches her up but he realizes once he's patched her up that like or while she's in her med her like uh her like medical sleep that he like is in love with her and he doesn't want to lose her again um just before this attack happened he randomly met his brother in this marketplace and he hasn't seen him forever um and his brother's kind of like a piece of shit and he like threatened megan because megan's like haha you don't impress me much and then um he leaves him like passed out um kind of on the ground um and that's how we hear about his brother <clears throat> and so he realizes she's in this medical sleep and he he really feels for her and he's had to resist the urge every time they've had sex which is like four thousand <laughs> times now to um bite her and mark her as his mate which was another theme in your book yep right? shifters love that shit yeah. Yeah, so he had to, like, resist the urge the whole time. Um, so she wakes up from her, like, Cairo sleep or whatever, and um, they're on this, like, resort planet, um, which I thought was really funny because at one point she's like, can I get a glass of water? He's like, we're in space, not a resort. <laughs> like, it's a luxury. And I was like, oh, but you just, like, sucked up a bunch of ocean water, bruh. Um, so he, it, it turns out that's his, like, his – he has his own private planet, um and he definitely like brought her there it's the first time he's in love with her and they make very passionate love very passionate love they're not just fruxen they make in love and he can't resist the urge anymore and he marks her (gasps) and she is officially his mate and um after that he gets a call from this guy called Znistakon who is a lizard man with the Galactic Council, who's like, yo, I'm going to do some work for me. And he's like, I'm retired. He's like, you'll never be retired. And then he's like, haha, fuck you. And he's like, watch me. And so that's all we hear about this guy. And then they go out into the ocean, this this like Martian water. And I don't know like how they're communicating because I'm like, I imagine that if her communicator gets wet, it's going to electrocute her. No problem. They just go into the water. They're splashing around having fun. And then an alarm sounds. And he has his own like security team on this island. So basically it's like his planet's getting attacked. And so he's like, Megan, get into the house. I'm going to go check on my security team. And she gets in the house and he has like literal little Martian um, servants and they're all tied up. And she's like, oh no. And then she gets attacked by none other than Trent's brother Jiro um and he's like basically like I'm gonna rape you and and make you all tainted for my brother and he won't watch you anymore and she's like ha, fuck you and then he drugs her and like they just keep drugging her so he's trying to like escape with um Megan and Tren realizes that like all of the clones that are attacking him are just a distraction so he runs back catches his brother and his brother's like, I'm just going to fuck her so you can pay for, you know, having sex with my my lover. And he's like, that never happened. She was just a whore and slept around with everybody. And he's like, oh, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> and then Tren starts getting attacked. He starts getting shot at. And then he's like, Juro, call off your goons. He's like, they're not mine. They belong to the lizard man from the Galactic Council. So Tren gets attacked. He gets pa- he passes out. He wakes up in the medic bay. Um but Megan is nowhere to be seen. And Juro's like, they took her. And now Juro and Tren are like BFFs again. They're like tight brothers. Um, 
everything's fine. So they're like, we have to go get her. She's my mate. And he's like, what do you mean? You marked her? She's just a, a, a woman from, she's an earthling whore. And he's like, no, I love her. And he's like, okay, I understand. And so he's like, cool, let's go get her. But he's like, first, let me call in some favors. So he calls in, I don't know who he calls, <laughs> people. He calls alien. And then they go and find the lizard man's, um, the lizard man's spaceship. And he calls him and he's like, you're going to give her back. And he's like, no, I'm not. And then he's like, he's like, do you forget I have an army? And he's like, so do I. And then all these like ships show up out of like hyperspace, like in Star Wars. <laughs> and then the lizard man's like, row, row. Um, but before that, the lizard man, like Megan wakes up and he's like, hey, you're going to, I'm going to have sex with you. And she's like, uh, no. And then he opens up his like house coat. And he's like, look upon it. And it's like this teeny tiny little like lizard penis. And she's like, no, bro. Like, bro, no. <laughs> um, so he gets mad at her for insulting his penis. Um, then like Tren fucking shows up and he's like, stay away from my mate. And she's like, what? I'm his mate. Um, and the reason that's important is that this whole time, the, the looming threat of her becoming a sex slave has just always been there. And she's been like a realist with all of this. She's like, I can't trust no man. My last boyfriend tried to kill me. This guy's going to let me down too. So I'm just going to enjoy this ride. I'm just going to like keep getting off. Um, when he sells me, he sells me. Like ain't no thing. So she didn't believe he was going to come and save her. Um, even though she was developing feelings, she's like, Megan, hold it together. <laughs> um, and then he's like, she's my mate. And she's like, oh, my God, is that why I feel your feelings? Because they're linked now. Um, and he saves her. And then um, the guy from the Galactic Council is like, you're willing to start a war over, or a galactic war after, you know, over this? And he's like, I am. So he goes back to his ship. He blows up the other ship. Like, the lizard man is out of there. Um, and he, his brother's like, oh, the Galactic Council called. And it turns out the lizard man was kicked off the council and there was a bounty on his head. So we're getting a payday. <laughs> he's like, cool. He's like, and now they want you to be on the galactic council. And he's like, no, he's like, politics are not my jam. Um, he's like, now get out of my way so I can go fuck my woman. And he's like, okay. Da -da 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 -da. And then it's like, um, it's like something, something like, what is it? Um, like several galactic turns later, like, yeah, that's how they say, like, time. is like, galactic units later. Um, so it fast-forwards to whatever that means. And they're very happy and they're very in love. And she's on the bridge. And Tren's like, I have a present for you. She's like, oh, my God, what is it? And so they open up, like, the screen. And it's Earth. And she's like, why are, why are we home? Like, I don't need anything. I'm very happy. And he's like, no, he's like, you have unfinished business here. And then he cuts to, like, the screen of his... Um, like bridge or storage or whatever. And her ex-boyfriend Cameron, who tried to kill her, is in a cage. Ooh. And she's like, oh my God, like, what are we gonna do with him? And he's like, Well, I was gonna torture him for all eternity and feed him his entrails. And she's like, Oh my god, Chen, like, stop it. That's ridiculous. <laughs> You're so funny. And he's like, But I thought I think that you should decide. And she's like, Oh my God, I love you so much. And he's like, but I know of a brothel that needs a new male screamer. And she's like, oh, that's so evil. Let's do it. So they fucking sex trade him. Like they, they sex traffic him. And that's how that ends. And then there's a piece about um, his brother, Juro, who gets captured for sex from like another alien. But that's for book two. 
Um, Holy shit, Renee. It was so wacky. It was so wacky and I loved it. Um, because they were banging just all the time. Like, what are the, I, had to, I stopped writing down the things they were calling their genitals because it was just so much. Um, there was a part where her nipples pebbled and they called it her pussy and her cleft and his penis and um, covered sex and swollen prick and dual mounds, something that made her very unique that she had two breasts instead of four. Um, hardening cock, brown thatch, tur- turgid staff, like so much. And I was like, no. Um <laughs> There was a 69 scene. Oh, no! There was a 69 scene, and I was like, Ooh! but um, she was on top. I like that. She basically sat in his face, and that was really most okay. of it. Um, and I was like, good for you. Um, what else can I say? Like, it was steamy. Um, he came all over her shirt at one point, which was actually his shirt. They described it as a creamy load, and I was like, gross. Oof. Um yeah, like it was a wacky wild ride. She became very evil, um, which I liked. I was I was here for that. Um, yeah, it was real spicy, but I think I kind of got let down because they were just always fucking. They were just constantly having sex, and I was like, oh, again, like we are in outer space. There's no nothing more exciting than this. I want to hear about outer space, and they're like, no, we fucking again. One thing that I hated is like she he growled like he was always growling and then she mewled i'm sorry and i was like is that like a is that like is that a is that a meow yeah yeah like like it was like she was always squeaking um it's like he pinched her butt and she squeaked or like she mewled and i was like is that like yeah <laughs> like what is that? Like, it's like he's touching, like he's touching her her butthole, and she's like, yeah. like what is that? It's like, oh my god! <laughs> and that's like, anytime I read that, I was like, shut up. Um, and then the other thing was that anytime his dick poked her, which was always, she would always say, "Somebody's happy to oh. see me." Like every time. Oh, and I was like. Like fuck off um, again. How many pages? One ten. One ten. That's so a lot. Was, there was literally a scene where they had sex, and then had sex again, like right after it. Um, there was also a scene where the when the lizard has attacked or like captured Megan, and then trends like, "Here's my fucking armada." The lizard shits himself. <laughs> yeah, and all I could imagine was like. You don't have a dog, but like when you go to the vet, they express the dog's anal glands for you. Um, and you just get like this taste in your mouth that doesn't go away. And like, that's what I am. Um, that's it. So for spiciness, I'm going to keep going with my limes. I'm going to say 10 out of 10 limes because it was spicy. Um, I loved the book and I want to read more from Yves Langlais. Like I would say she's my favorite romance author i mean you do like you do like your shit to be kooky as fuck so i will say as you were describing this book and all of its complexity for some reason i think because of the like blatant misogyny and like the sex trafficking sort of element all i did was picture them as ferengi (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I you know I I told somebody about him marking her and they're like, what are they Klingon? <laughs> there you go. It was very yeah. real. Yeah, very that was real. all I kept thinking yeah. was like, oh, this is like a Ferengi Star Trek TNG episode. Okay, okay. Um please tell me you intend to gift us with some sort of reenactment now. Please tell me that moment has come. <clears throat> I sure do. Um, okay, because I'm freaking excited. So, like yours, they just constantly had this, like, back and forth the whole entire time. This is happening right after she, like, humped herself silly and passed out. Um, and she's woken up. Okay. Um, to be like, what's going on? And, again, this is just how they sounded in my head. <laughs> I mean no disrespect to thick-ass Megan. It's just what they sound like. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay. The chest under her cheek shifted, and she ended up rolled onto her back with a very happy to see her alien poking at the juncture of her thighs. His powerfully built arms held him up at an angle that kept his chest off hers, but his groin lay snug up against the apex of her thighs. Hot tingles at his proximity made her body thrum with waking desire, and she almost let her legs part to see his version of a good morning. However, a lack of coffee and pig-headedness made her clamp them shut tighter instead. During her inner battle with her libido, he peered down at her, his face wearing a serious nyan at odds uh, with his tousled hair. You are awake, he stated the obvious. No kidding! She didn't move for fear of inadvertently titillating him and giving her body more ideas than it needed. Already, the heat radiating from his body suspended over hers made her nipples pebble and her cleft moisten further. You appear displeased. He didn't seem surprised. You took advantage of me, she accused. His dark brows shot up and his lip curled into a sneer. In your dreams, Earthling, you mauled me. I simply took what you offered. Make that almost begged me to take. The jerk would point out that fact. I was drunk and you took advantage to fuck me. He snorted as he rolled off her and her body immediately mourned the loss of his warmth. If you are implying I plowed your sex, then you are mistaken. I am not into unconscious females. And how do you explain my nakedness? Well, I remember kissing you as I recall. I wore clothes at the time. Her clothes are off because he came on her shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I stripped you for your comfort. Next time, I'll just dump your drunken carcass onto the floor and keep the bed to myself. She didn't like the callous way he acted and refused to admit she might have brought it on herself with her accusations. You're a jerk. Who obviously didn't like what he saw enough to take advantage. She didn't understand why that bothered her. She would have celebrated the fact she remained relatively untouched. Shrew. They glared at each other over the expanse of the bed, and that's when her eyes strayed, catching onto the fact that she's, uh, she currently had one very big naked alien to peruse, and, oh my freaking god, he appeared hotter than she fuzzily recalled. Muscles delineated his upper body, and she sucked in a breath at the sight of the rings pierced his skin where she noticed a lack of nipples. He quite enjoyed the way she tugged and sucked on his pectoral ornaments, and her pussy moistened further in remembrance. She couldn't help her eyes from straying down his rock-hard abs that owned their own little abs, down to the V of his hips. Apparently, he lacked modesty since he stood proudly with no attempt at covering himself. She let her gaze wander even lower to his hairless groin. From between his heavily muscled thighs, his mauve cock jutted, uh, stained a dark mauve color, while its thick head blushed pink. And that's when she noticed the freakiest thing. 
Oh my god, you've been neutered! <laughs> what? He barked, planting his hands on his hips, which drew even more attention to his crotch area, his ballless crotch area. Neutered, spade, or whatever the hell you call it when you've had your balls chopped off. Dear God, don't tell me that's how you aliens practice birth control. Megan couldn't help the horror that seeped into her voice, and he called humans barbaric. Wider and wider his eyes grew, his throat working soundlessly. When he finally managed to utter something, it emerged as a cross between uh, a snort and laughter. You are absolutely insane. What are you talking about? Your balls, you know, the two round things that hang under your dick? What happened to them? Did they take them from you when they sliced off your nipples? A pair of purple hands came up to cover his face, and his shoulders shook as he mumbled under his breath. Megan leaned forward, ignoring her own nudity as she got closer in case he needed a shoulder to cry on. Her observation might have lacked diplomacy, but she could at least be kind about the fact he found himself maimed. There, there, don't cry. I'm sorry. It's just how awful for you that you've been mutilated. Did it hurt? Can you still function like, you know, a man down there? Judging by his rapidly dwindling cock, she had to wonder at his ability to come. Perhaps an inability to ejaculate as why uh, was why he, he'd not molested her when he had the perfect chance. Noise came from behind his hands and it sounded suspiciously like laughter. She frowned at him. Earthling, he managed to sputter in a choked voice. You should have chosen a career in comedic arts. He peeled his hands away and she saw his face twisted uh, in a rictus of mirth. Those balls, as you call them, are tucked into my body, as is the case with all of my kind. Only a less evolutionized race would keep their seed sacks out in the open where they are vulnerable to damage. As for nipples, females have nipples, not males. Why would we? We are not the ones who feed the young. There is nothing wrong with me. You, however, you are one to talk about deformity with your two breasts and that hole in your stomach. Megan gaped at him. Deformity? <laughs> she grabbed her heavy breasts and held them up. Do these look deformed to you? I think my tits are perfectly beautiful, thank you. And as for my belly button, all humans have one. It's because we're normal. <laughs> um, that's it. Oh! <laughs> and that's scene. It. And scene. Ooh. Yeah. <clears throat> there were so many sex scenes. I was like, I can't read one. Like, I just, I needed something where they talked a lot. Because I've just, you needed to know that's what they sounded like. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 100% what they, I mean, based solely on what you've just told me, that sounds like some really accurate representation i feel like they would see it as a true homage and would respect you for it i, I hope so Whew. all right girl, hit me okay well you're a tough act to follow because this is kind of i'm it, yeah there's not a lot going on but there wasn't really a lot going on that made sense to read on its own so what i'm going to give all of y'all is i'm going to give you the, the chap start of chapter eight where we finally understand why there's all of these rumors swirling that she's a whore and she's whatever. So <clears throat> basically they're down in the ship. They've had this intimate moment of him being like, you can trust me. And she's like, uh, there's a reason why I don't trust people. And he was like, just tell me the story. Just tell me. And she's like, she'll hate me. And he's like, no, I won't. <clears throat> so she starts. I was 19 this summer my mother died. She began, her eyes focused on the past and not the sea before her. And father took me with him into Martinique and introduced me to Etienne de Gramont. 
Etienne was very handsome and very amusing and father liked him because he was wealthy and because before the revolution, the one in Paris, I mean, not ours, he had been a chevalier to King Louis. Father said I was fortunate to have a man like Etienne court me and that an alliance with his family would be an honor to the snows. It wasn't difficult. Etienne was lonely, a widower, and before my father sailed away, I'd married him. Now, it cuts to italics, so this is like, it shows like what she's saying to, to Captain Sam Colburn and then what she's thinking to herself. So now it goes to italics. Etienne had told her she was the most beautiful woman she'd ever known, and she thought he was the most handsome gentleman with his dancing black eyes and black hair only just touched with white, lace on his shirt and silver embroidery on his peach-colored coat. Each morning he'd brought her white roses from his garden at Beaucoteau, the buds tightly furled and touched with dew. Absently, she twisted her ring around her finger. I was happy because I loved him. He indulged me in whatever way I wished, and perhaps because I was so much younger, he never expected much of me beyond being gay and pretty and, and compliant. And because I wished to please Etienne, and my father too, I always was, even if my husband's wishes were not, always to my taste. In the beginning, her youth had been enough for him, and he had been gentle with her in the tall carved bed shrouded in gauze against mosquitoes, but soon the charm of her innocence has passed, and unwordly though she was, she'd known what he'd asked of her was shameful. The night he tried to bring one of the women's slaves to their bed, she'd locked the door against him. Furious, he'd shouted obscenities at her, demanding that she let him in, until finally he'd shoved the sobbing slave up against the locked door and taken her there, where Ananiah, sickened and shaking on the other side, could hear it all. Sam frowned, noting how pale her face had become as she chose her words with painful precision. He could only guess at what she wasn't saying and what that French bastard had made her do, and he understood now why she'd withdrawn from his loving. He hated Gramont for how he'd hurt her, for the calculated cruelty with which he'd destroyed her trusted innocence. Lord, what he'd give for the chance to make him suffer for what he'd done to her. If I had been older or more clever, Ananiah continued softly, I think I would have seen what Etienne tried to keep hidden and asked about the letters and the messengers from Paris, I wouldn't have been as blind, and I wouldn't have been as, as, as surprised when Hélène arrived at her house from Paris. She stopped then, sinking back into her own thoughts, forcing Sam to prompt her. Who is Hélène? He asked gently. His mistress? She turned her face to him and smiled bleakly. Oh no, I was his mistress. Hélène, Hélène was his wife. Oh my God. Back to italics, she'd come back from writing to find Hélène in her drawing room, the house slaves gathered around her chair in wonder. The woman had been frail and gaunt from prison, her shoulders twisted and her face scarred beneath her rouge and powder from beatings by the guards at La Conciergerie. But when Ananiah entered, hatred had given Hélène de Gramont the strength to stand and spit in the face of her rival and call her a whore. And Ananiah had been powerless to deny it because she had known Hélène was right. Ananiah looked away swiftly, afraid to see the disgust she knew would be on Sam's face, and she spoke hurriedly, rushing to finish before he could interrupt her. Etienne had told Hélène had, had told me Hélène had died on the guillotine, but now I think he'd known all along that she lived. He just hadn't expected her to ever be free to return to Martinique. But even with her in his house again, he didn't want to give me up. He said he would go on as we were until she died, and then he would marry me again. He'd struck her when she said she would leave, hit her hard with the flat of his hand, and dragged her to the tall bed one last time. She, le she hadn't let him know how much he hurt her, and she hadn't cried. But that night, as she fled and the others slept, the pains had begun, and she'd wept then, knowing how much he'd taken from her. 
Her voice dropped down to a broken whisper. But I did leave, Sam. I wouldn't stay. I left, and I'll never marry again. My poor angel, Sam said hoarsely. Though she'd said his name, she wasn't, but wasn't sure, even sure of, of him. Blah. But he wasn't even sure she was aware of him before her. Blah. It wasn't your fault, lass. None of it. Her eyes still blank and staring, her lips were open and her breathing was shallow, and she'd hunched her shoulders defensively with her head bowed. She seemed so fragile, he wondered what the wind didn't carry her way. Nothing he could say to her would begin to be enough, and learning how she'd been so wounded didn't tell him how he could make her better, what words could possibly reach her. Ananias, sweet, promise me you'll come to me tonight, he said hurriedly. I swear I won't touch you if you don't wish it, but I can't let you go after this. We need each other. Ananias! Ananias! No, Sam, I won't, she said, her voice curiously emotionless. I won't make the same mistake twice. Damn it, Ananias, it wasn't your mistake, and I'm not Etienne. For God's sake, don't you know by now that I'd never hurt you? What do I have to say to make you believe me? Damn it, lass, don't run away again. That stopped her. Her back was still towards him, but at least she was listening. He took a deep breath, determined to keep her attention now that he had it. You promised to help Jeremy with his letters. Tomorrow morning, in my cabin, he'll be there for you. The wide brim of her hat dipped twice as she nodded, and then she was gone, easing past Lawson in the companionway. The older man watched her go, then came over to Sam. Lawson's brows were raised in a question that he clearly thought the better of asking once he saw the black look on Sam's face. So, I hear we've lost our friends to the south, Captain, he said amiably, cocking his head in that direction. Maddie Ralph says we've lost him in the middle of the last watch. Sam only grunted as he gladly turned over the wheel to the older man, shrugging the stiffness from his shoulders. How could he admit that he'd completely forgotten about the other ship on the horizon? Nay, Captain! I warrant that's the last we'll see of him, continued Lawson. No more ghosts dogging the true love, eh? Sam didn't agree. From where he stood, ghosts were everywhere. Oh yeah! Because uh, the name of the boat was True Love, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know what you're mr Krabs, though oh oh thank so good. you I, thank you for getting that reference because i'm not about to do a full episode on pirates and not reference spongebob as much as humanly possible so thank you thank you that was really thank good. you so much I'm, it was so amazing. thank you it's the only accent i can nail that in a french one so uh you know there's that there but uh yeah you're like Etienne, King Louis. I was like, oh, bring my. That had a Jane Eyre vibe. It did. It was very, yeah. like the whole thing felt very, yeah, like uh, Jane Austen, or yeah, Gone with the Wind. Like it had a very like, oh, like a lot of fainting couches. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in my yeah, feeling, feeling like you're getting the vapors. Had a lot of that, which is just not my jam, but. Loved it. Crush some pirates, bud. We did it, we did bud. it. Season two, episode one. Uh, do, do you think we should tell people what next week is? I think we should, Julie. Well, next week we're taking a turn. And we're going to read about widows. 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 I hope they're widows. Like black widows. That's oh, what I want. Oh, oh. I'm my theory is that widow books are basically just gonna be books where women are allowed to be sexual because there's we already know she's had sex before. 
That's like what I'm hoping is kind of like maybe it's going to get a little bit freakier because she's going to be, you know, I'm also thinking they're going to be young widows, going to add a certain tragedy to the whole thing. Maybe they'll ride that out like a George Costanza situation, you know, just kind of playing the widow card until it gets them laid. I don't know, but I am excited. I'm excited too. This is going to be so much fun. Season Season two is going to be lit, but super glad to be chatting with you. You too, buddy. You want to sing us sure out? Sure do. Ravage love. Ravage love. Oh, so good. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.